Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the TFA Dino Show. I'm Robbie Jeffries here with my bestest buddy, Thomas Alexander Corson. Tom, that's that's your middle name, right? That was a guess. Nope. Nope, nope. Not? Nope. What, what it's not. I'm not I mean, telling I just, you. I took a shot. I ain't telling you shit. What's mine? Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's your wife's name. I mean, obviously, that's uh, what you went with. Uh, Rob, no, your, your first name is it's, it's Robbie Jeffrey Jeffries. Okay, we'll go with that. In any or Alshon. Event, this is not the, the episode over middle names, but it is the episode over rookie running back prospects. That's right, running backs. It's the position where you're told you have to have three workhorse backs, except there's only five in the entire league, but yet you have to have three on your dynasty teams. We're going to see if we can help with that at all. You know, Tom, I feel like we, you know, are, are semi-informed on the incoming class. You know, we've, we've dug into the tape a little bit. We've checked out the production profiles. We've heard some draft capital rumblings, right? And we've even peeped at the performances in, in the NFL combine, but we're, we're not really that smart about this stuff, you know, amateur hour right here, amateur no. hour. No, we're just uh, uh, unintelligent heads talking. Uh, we were talking about pre-show about the Skip Baylesses of the world. We are just talking Skip Baylesses at this point. So you know what we did? You are the Skip Bayless. Uh, no, I'm the you're other the Skip guy. Bayless. No, okay, I'm, well, I'm the other guy. You don't even know the other guy, so you can't be the other guy. Doesn't matter. I'm not him. <laughs> Tom, what if I told you that you go. we, 30 30. by somehow, some act of God, we got a guy that knows this topic, that breathes the topic of prospects, that has been in the Devi landscape. What if I told you he was going to be on this episode with us tonight? The only thing that would make it better was if he would be an Eagles fan. Oh, and this always happens, right? Anybody we bring on, I don't know how it happens. Every year, you guys come out of the woodworks this time of year. You're like, oh, oh, little squirrel, little little uh, uh, gopher popping your head up. I don't know how you guys do this, but Tom put a lid 
on your vino. I don't. I haven't seen it out yet. I'm, I'm assuming there's it's somewhere. No, there's none. We're going sober, sober tonight. Oh, ooh. Well, I'm pumped up. Uh, really ecstatic to have Brandon Lejeune. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He is the host of the Devi Deep Dive podcast, creator of the Devi Dashboard. He has his own YouTube channel, Devi to Dynasty Football, and he's even coined the phrase "intangibles matter." Ladies and gentlemen, and Tom as well. Please welcome Brandon Lejeune. Brandon, thank you for being on with us, man. No, no, I, hey, it's my pleasure, guys. And some local Philly boys, I'm I'm all in. So that was quite an intro. Um, I think you guys know more than what you're leading on to believe, but I'm excited to talk about the uh, running back class. Like you said, and Debbie, we've been watching these guys for the last two years. Um, and here we are about a month, a little over a month away from the NFL draft and, you know, ready to uh, put our final final takes on this running back class to see uh, what we got as we go into our rookie drafts. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that we don't disappoint you with our knowledge, but we're going to be asking the questions and kind of diving back and forth. But before we get into the rookie running backs, because there's a ton to get to, so I do want to get to that. You're, you know, just watching your channels and, and seeing the background, I, I see and sense that you're kind of a fisherman. And, and as a guy from South Dakota, we're fishing, you know, it's part of a lot of people's uh, hobbies. Uh, just curious if you can enlighten some people. What's what's the secret? What's the secret to being a good fisherman? How'd you get into it? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think the secret is just spending time on the water. It's like anything else. The more you're on the water, the more knowledge you get of the different species. I got into fishing when I was a young kid, and it really is my true passion. As much as I love my Debbie and film work and my podcast, um, I'm going to be actually uh, heading out to the uh, river next Tuesday afternoon. So I'm already nice. going to hit it here in early March. So Love being on the water, being out in nature, and uh, yeah, do a little salt water, fresh water. But yeah, it's very relaxing. So, which uh, which river you you like? Where where, where are your estuaries? So to my speak? estuaries are uh, my primary estuaries are the Susquehanna River in the central PA, uh, mm -hmm. on Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, yep. Trenton, New Jersey. I'm on the Delaware River early spring, and then I do a lot of uh, you know backwater salt marshes in the Jersey backwaters. So yeah, I'm kind of uh, salt and freshwater. I love it. Are you, are, are you doing some some ice fishing as well or not diving into that <laughs> not around here no the okay. ice isn't okay. safe and i i hate the cold so <laughs> you know uh yeah no ice fishing for me I'll, okay uh, hang it up in the you know come late november but yeah I, I i usually try and hit the stripers my cousin has a, has a boat so i, I usually oh yeah definitely fishing. yeah yep so yeah that's a big fall fishery down in jersey so i'm down there all the time yeah no, my my uh my bachelor party we we got a a nice charter there. I caught a thresher. That was nice. That was a good oh, fight. I'm sure. Hey, you know you wouldn't know it, but uh, in Trenton, New Jersey, the first week of May, I'm there every year. The big breeders swim all the way from the ocean all the way up to New Hope, Pennsylvania, and really? we inter we intersect them in Jersey. We caught last year out in May, the first week. I probably on the in one day caught probably 12, 15 to twenty pound stripers. Wow, they're huge. They're full <laughs> of a. Yeah, well, they're full of eggs. They're running up the yeah, river, and sure. they're, they're going up to spawn, and they're just they come up in these huge schools. Sometimes you get three or four on at a time, so it's pretty pretty good fishery that really not a lot of people fish. Yes. Well, that's good insight. I'm I'm I like to learn about that stuff, you know, because uh, I'm the South Dakota kid who didn't have that background. My dad's a car salesman. He didn't hunt. He didn't fish. I'm I'm like the one mm. weird kid from South Dakota that didn't do any of that stuff. So. Appreciate you kind of walking us through some some stuff. And hey, Tom threw out a couple of big words. I didn't know he knew what estuary was. Like, let's go. Yeah. This is. I mean, <laughs> I, I 
I, I'm a Marine that has a master's degree. I'm a walking oxymoron, not just a moron. <laughs> so, I mean, what are you going to do? That's awesome. Guys, we have a ton of running backs to get into, and, and I kind of want to set the table here. Um, or actually have you, Brandon, kind of set the table because we're going over your tiers, right? And, and I think we have four to get through. Um, it's 16-ish, 15-ish players, something like that. But just kind of off the rip, talk to us about kind of your process, right? We have analytics guys. We have tape guys. We have people that kind of mesh it all together. Um, they rank them. They tier them. You know, give them certain analytical grades or, or number film grades, you know. Can you give us a quick summary of like how how your tiers get made? Yeah, I'm first and foremost uh, a film guy. I always have. Um, I got into really making my developing my YouTube channel with the frustration level of just being able to see highlight clips. And I've been burned many, many times just watching highlight films of players. And I think it can be very misleading. So I started doing full game films and then actually started cutting up film and really trying to analyze it. You know, I've been watching a lot of videos over the years. I've been doing this for about six, seven years of every scouting video, how to scout player videos out there. So, you know, focus, at least from the running back standpoint, I'm always kind of uh, my main primary focus is vision and, and, and lateral ability. And then, of course, burst and acceleration that go hand in hand. Um, you know, I think size matters for the NFL. If you really look at the NFL running backs that have been successful, most are 210 higher. There are a few uh, guys in there that are a little less, so they're going to have to bring something else to the table. You know, I, of course, I look at their athletic profile, you know, the combine information. I, I certainly kind of use that as a as a way of confirming what I see on the field, but I don't try and go overboard either one way or the other with the results of that because I do think those players train for those specific drills. So as fast as somebody might look in their 40, I'm a guy who uh, values play speed over 40 speed. If I see a guy on the field take, you know, with uh, defenders making bad angles and that type of thing on the field, then I'm going to kind of value that more than a guy running in shorts with no pads on running in a straight line. Right. And then I think the, the production uh, profile is important too. I, I think, you know, how productive have they been throughout the career? It kind of tells you that if they have been, then they've been, you know, somewhat successful in the higher echelons of the running backs. Um, and then I think the, the final piece is what we're all waiting for is really draft capital because yep. draft, draft capital matters, right? So, um, I just kind of project draft capital and I'm more of a tier ranker than a, a one, two, three, four, five, six. So yes, I have these four tiers and within those four tiers, I have them ranked, but I don't really go by the rankings so much. It's kind of, if I'm going to, if I'm in a rookie draft and I'm going to take a, a running back, I'm going to probably grab one out of my tier two if all, or tier one. If all the tier one guys are gone, then, you know, if I got three two tier two guys, then I'm going to try and target one of those guys and, you know, landing spots matter course talent over you know overrides really that um as far as landing spot but as we know opportunity for running backs is huge in the nfl so um a lot there's probably i feel like there's probably been a lot of running backs over the years that have been maybe decent backs that just maybe haven't gotten the opportunity um but i think that's going to change a little bit with all the dual backs that we're seeing you know the two or three guys running out of the backfield now i mean our eagles are doing the same thing with miles sanders and boston scott and you know trying to get Gainwell involved so i mean i think that's the trend but those five things the film grade uh you know always will lean to the bigger back unless there's a really great pass catcher who i think you know from a ppr standpoint and on our dynasty rosters will be a, an asset that will you know be a maybe a flex player but always kind of lean towards the bigger backs you know and then the athletical and productional profiles and then and then the draft capital so i try and put that all together 
really don't have some formula where I put it all in a spreadsheet and then I just rank them based on numbers. I tier them and then just kind of put them in the order within the tiers that I think I would most likely take them in a rookie draft. So what's your cutoff when we talk like draft capital? Because I, I feel like that's uh, that's something people kind of confuse sometimes is like, okay, they have to be taken in the you know first or second round. Um, third and fourth round, okay for you. Is the fifth where it kind of gets? Oh, I, I think they. I think first off, first round. If you go back and look at history, the, those players are going to get an opportunity without a doubt, yeah. right? But I think most people, if you get day two draft capital, the second and third round, you're pretty solid. And then you know, if you can get early day three, I think you're you might have a chance. I think five, six, seven. There, it's a long shot, and undrafted free agents. I mean, Eckler is the outlier in that entire UDFA kind of making it toward dynasty rosters. I think I know Elijah Mitchell. I forget was he was a fifth or sixth round last year, but if you go back and look at last year's draft and all the running backs that were drafted, the majority of them, you know, they might end up as a flex player on our rosters, a fill in, and you you, you took them in your fifth round of your rookie draft last year, and you're just hoping that. He hits for a few weeks while the starter gets injured, but draft capital matters in the NFL. You know, you go back to the same thing with wide receivers. I was just doing a show last night. I was on uh, with Kyle from the Undroppables doing kind of a wide receiver show, and it was the same thing. We went back and looked at the last four drafts in the wide receiver, and all the receivers drafted round four and later. There was six guys in the last five years that have even sniffed our dynasty rosters. So draft capital matters. Um, if you really go back and look in and study, you know, the, you'll find that draft capital does matter. So I think round four, three, two, one is really what you want. Um, but you know, like last year, for example, I was a big Kylan Hill guy, probably one of my bigger misses last year from, um, you know, and he came back, played very limited in 2020, got drafted last year and, really liked his film at Mississippi state and, and everything. And, you know, he got that late day draft capital and he's buried on the Packers. I mean, yep. we're never going to see him. He, he's, he's droppable at this point. I mean, something will have to happen. So tough news for one Cody Kutzer of the fantasy authority. He was a, a big Kylan Hill guy as well, but yeah, when you have that seventh round um, J Mike as well, another buddy of ours, and it, it's just, it's tough. So you know, I think that's a, that's a good place to kind of start with this because your tier one has two guys that we expect to make, uh, you know, at least day two, maybe flirting with the end of day one. We'll, we'll see, right? And that tier one is Brees Hall at number one and Kenneth Walker at number two. And I want to start off kind of talking with Brees Hall because for a lot of people, um, you know, after um, there's questions, right, about his acceleration, his speed, his ability coming into the combine, and then he does really well in the combine. And I feel like a lot of people kind of shifted their minds and they said, okay, he's the clear number one in a tier by himself. Who does he compare to in other classes? Like they're, they're, I'm not saying they're too high on him because I'm still kind of figuring out where I'm at with him. But for you having him in, in a tier with Kenneth Walker, it, it feels like either you're that high on Kenneth Walker as well, or maybe you're not jumping to the heights other people have post combine. Maybe talk to me about that um, juxtapose of, of the, having them near each other. Yeah, That's well, I'm it just as a yeah, um, good word there. The <laughs> I mean, as a Debbie guy, I mean, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker have been a top tier running back for me since you know October, November. I mean, when Kenneth Walker transferred and you know went to Michigan State, and I mean, Christ's first game he had you know four 
four touchdowns, I think, and just blew up that first week. I mean, it was mm-hmm. insanity. First, it was his first carry, I think, was the seven-yard yep. touchdown. Yeah, yep. or something. So, you know, I, I would think that after round, after the fifth or sixth week, he would the production was there. He has the size. You know, he really impressed with the 40 time to confirm everything. But Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker have been arguably the two best running backs in college football last year. You know, that's the benefit of playing Debbie is that you see these players – in for the last year so for me now for guys that are just starting to look at the running backs that 40 time at the combine might have put them up top but most of the debbie guys you know on my slack chat on my debbie dashboard i mean he's been our number one back we've been talking about for months so um they're both explosive players um they both obviously confirm the speed that you see but again i'm a more play speed over 40 time speed um both explosive shifty can catch the well Kenneth Walker didn't catch the ball much in college, but I don't I don't necessarily look at that as a knock on a player. I think that's a narrative that can be kind of overblown at times just because they didn't catch the ball in college doesn't mean that they can't in the NFL. It means that perhaps they just didn't use that system in in college. So but can I jump in right there? Sure. How do you how do you know? Because that that's thrown out our lives. Like when your guy doesn't catch the ball in college. You say, oh, well, they didn't ask him to do it. But when you don't like a guy, it's like, oh, he can't catch. He didn't hit that 20, 25 catch in a season. How do you find that out? You just, you know, the system you're watching. Okay. This is, um, you know, this is the system they ran where they didn't go through. If, if they were um, in trouble, the quarterback's taken off or they're checking down with a good slot wide receiver. Um, how, do, how do you know? I, I can't say that I do, right? I, I, I have no knowledge of that. I don't get that in-depth of looking at these offensive okay. systems. I, I don't have time for that with all these yep. players and all these teams and, and and that type of thing. I just know that when you watch his film and you've seen him catch the ball, I try and figure out how natural does it look. Is he catching the ball with his hands? Is he is he Has he had the opportunity to make some good adjustments while catching the ball. So let's say Kenneth Walker, I don't know off the top of my head how many balls he actually caught last year, but I do remember watching a lot of his film where he had to make some uh, adjustments, even if the even if it's coming out of the flat, even if it's going down or like on a five yard out or, you know, a dump off, uh, you know, he, he's in for blocking and the blocking breaks down and uh, the, the, you know, the, the quarterback rushes around or, or scrambles and tries to make a play off platform and he's there and, and can catch the ball. You just kind of, you try and look for hints on guys that weren't involved in the passing game. I mean, 50% of these backs probably really weren't involved in the passing game, but it's not going to deter an NFL team from taking a player because they didn't catch the ball in college. So especially for a guy at the top tier who has the size like he has and the elusiveness and the contact balance and burst and stuff, but they'll, they'll get somebody else uh, on the field and in the backfield, I think to take care of those, uh, those catches and, and passes, just like Nick Chubb, right? I mean, what did he catch? Like maybe one, one catch a, a week or something, or maybe you know, one so every other a, week. His over under on props for receptions every single week is one and a half. Yeah. So <laughs> you can you, you can just book it and then he's gonna hit it about 50% of the time. <laughs> That's right, right? So Kenneth Walker may be one of those. Um now they might find when he gets into camp that he's got soft hands and it just wasn't really used. But I, I do know and I don't know what teams and I can't really define them. I know they're because there's guys on my Slack that chat that know a lot more than I do when it comes down to these offensive systems where an offensive coordinator will come to a college team 
and they'll immediately say, I mean, we're talking about it right now, just with all the player transfers, you know, we're talking about coaches transfers and this coach going to this offense. What does it mean for this running back? Oh, you know, they're going to now not have a bell cow because this offensive quarter corner, the offensive coordinator likes to run four or five backs instead of just having a bell cow. So I do know that college systems scheme to throw passes to the running back and some don't as much. So I just try not to hold it against the player unless I watch his film and he looks like he's got brick hands and just cannot catch anything. Well, then it might be a concern. And so I, I would focus more on that as a concern on the tier two and tier three guys. But when you got a guy like uh, Kenneth Walker, who's up at the top of the list because of his ability to move the ball down the field uh, through running the ball, um, you can't knock a guy at the top tier for that. Yeah. Pl plus you have to look at game script and how good was the team as well. So like sure, right. was, a, was a good team. They had leads. So he mm -hmm. got the ball 263 times to run instead. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so going back to him, he exploded this year, obviously, after he came over from Wake Forest. Uh, if you watch that film, that RPO, where it's just extremely deliberate, it's just, it wasn't for him. You know right. what I mean? It, he had some where he was like flashing and everything, but he just wasn't, that wasn't what his game was. He, he is just a straight, give me the ball, I'm going to go. So how important do you think that offensive scheme is going to be where he gets drafted? Um, I thought he looked really good running inside zone, some outside zone too as well. Uh, he can run the power schemes, but if he comes to a team like we'll use the Eagles, for example, where it's the RPO and he has a lot of mesh plays, I don't think that's a great fit for him, whereas Brees Hall is a much better fit for that. So how much do you kind of bake into that? I can't say that I bake too much into that. And, and really, I look at PFF stats. Uh, to see, I mean, they do a nice breakdown on, um, you know, gap versus zone runs. And, and when I watch film, I can clearly see which play, you know, they're, they're running by just watching the film and, and the offensive mm -hmm. linemen. And, and, and certainly, so when he played at Wake Forest, he played mostly a gap system. He comes to Michigan State, I think 77% of his, his carries were, you know, zone. So mm -hmm. most colleges run zone concepts from what I understand and from what I see on film. I don't know how many NFL teams run zone or gap. I don't know about all the in-depths of those um, you know, NFL teams. But if you just look at how successful he was, right? He ran yeah. Kenneth Walker from 2020 to 2021. It was clear as day because if you go back and actually watch the 2020 film on Kenneth Walker, it wasn't pretty. I mean, a lot of indecisiveness. And he was, to your point, Tom, probably working in more of a gap system, RPO, where he was supposed to run in the A gap, the B gap, whatever, and it broke down and he couldn't really adjust. Now he, you know, Michigan State is is primarily in a zone, outside zone, inside zone, wherever, where he then has the ability to pick and choose what gap he wants to hit, and he excelled in that. So you're absolutely right. From the Eagles standpoint, I'm sure that those NFL scouts are really looking at those players. Um, and when I do my film breakdowns on my YouTube channel, I always specify if they've run gap or or zone because I think a well-rounded back who has because you'll you'll see if you go back and look at those PFF stats a lot of cases running backs are running almost 50 50 60 40 so they're getting a taste of each um but for um you know Kenneth Walker specifically it was primary zone he ran this year at Michigan State yeah uh and <laughs> I want to throw this out there real quick because Chris Johnson was awesome when mm -hmm. he was on the Titans uh, ran for 2,000 yards. That was in a power scheme. And then they switched the offensive uh, scheme to a zone. 
and he was just a hot mess. And that's why I bring that up a little bit because that scheme is going to matter. So if you have a guy like Kenneth Walker, where we already saw him just utterly fail in that, that mesh RPO scheme and he goes there, I'm going to knock him down. And I have him as my RB one right now. They're really Mm -hmm. close, but Mm -hmm. it's, I, I feel like he's riskier as far as like when he gets drafted, that's where he could, you know, uh, stay as the RB one or just drop maybe out of that top tier for me. How, how, how close do you have Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker? Am I off on that? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I would take Brees Hall. I just like his production better. He's had three years of great production. I, I think he's a silkier, like smoother. I mean, those are queer terms, I guess, but I mean, just, he seems so much more smooth out there, shifty. He can really catch the ball very well. His pass catching is what really probably puts him, you know, over Kenneth Walker for me. I think they're both yeah. great. I'd be thrilled to have either one of them. But that pass catching, again, if we're looking at our dynasty rosters and PPR, you know, you'd be kind of silly. And I don't think not to take Brees Hall, um, given the fact that he's shown on tape for three years that he can catch the ball and be using and, you know, as part of that game going back to your chris johnson point i think it's a really good one um and it's something that i should probably look more closely at because i think when you run in a zone system you have to have probably better vision than in a gap right if you're if you're you know, running a power gap and you're supposed to hit the A gap. And if it's not there, maybe the B gap. Well, then you've got really two choices to make. You run that outside zone where you've got all linemen running out and you've got to make the cut and know when to go. Um, You know, you've got to have better eyes for that. You've got to be able to have better decision making. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, ski matters for a lot of these players, but I'm just not that in depth. I just look at the skill set, you know, what I see on the field, but that's probably something I should take a closer look at. For sure. Guys, we've hit on those two guys pretty well. Let's move to tier number two. We have Isaiah Spiller at number three, Zamir White, number four, and Brian Robinson Jr., number five. I I call this your SEC tier. Mm -hmm. And I think pre-combine, a lot of, uh, if you go consensus, and I use the air quotes here for the podcasters listening, um, would have had Isaiah Spiller up uh, a tier with these other guys. And, you know, with some of the combine stuff, feels like he's kind of fallen out of that. Is that same for you? How much do you put combine and results into your, you talked about your tape speed versus your, you know, your 40 straight line speed, but just Mm -hmm. kind of an all encompassing combine performance. Uh, Why is he in this tier and, and did the combine have anything to do with that? Um, I think I probably put him in this tier. I mean, he could be easily in tier one at the back end, right? It's just for me, I look at Walker and Hall and they're more bursty. They have a little bit more lateral agility, right? And I really, those are two traits that I really value in running backs. You have to create space for yourself. You have to be able to make the first guy miss. Um, now, Isaiah Spiller is, is a bulldog. I mean, he's probably got a little bit more power than those two and he'll, you know, be a bruising running back who should you know, be extremely successful in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of people who got a lot of shares of him on their Debbie teams, and they're surely hoping that he is. But as far as um, I look at Spiller, White, and Robinson in this tier, primarily for their lateral agility and their burst and speed, right? I just don't think they have the same you know, those traits are not the same from at least what I see on film from Walker and and Hall. So that's really why they're in a kind of a a tier down as well. Yeah. And he Spiller is a bigger back and he, he runs like it. 
Like my first mm-hmm. like sentence is bigger back runs like it. Not as agile as Brees. <laughs> right. That was exactly. literally your first sentence. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And if you look so at really all the successful running backs, they, they have the dead leg, right? They have the right. ability to make guys miss. And the best backs in the NFL are the ones that, you know, can create that four or five yards and make guys miss and got the vision, got the footwork, got the lower half, the contact balance and everything. He brings a lot of stuff to the table. He's going to be the third back taken in most drafts. I'm, I'm assuming, but I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Zamir white doesn't get drafted before Spiller. Interesting. Okay. I know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it really, I mean, there's always curveballs that always kind of happen in the NFL. Every draft. Year. Yep. And so, I mean, uh, you know, who knows? Um, I per, I wouldn't personally, but Zamir White, um, you know, is, is a good ball player too. Now, going back to your other question about the combine, I mean, for me, I, I, I kind of laugh when the whole, even on my Slack chat, and I tell these guys just, would you all relax? I mean, Jesus Christ, every, every, you know, 40 time and cone drill came out and people are like, ah, oh, moving them down my board. I'm moving them up my board. I was like, just everybody just take it easy. You know, just relax. <laughs> you know? Dalvin cook, just say Dalvin cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think you look at the athleticism, the results and, and you kind of look. So for me, I use the combine as athletic testing. Um, and then to say, okay, I, I see Brees Hall being very bursty, you know, the burst score and the speed scores kind of match. And you know, we're going to talk about a guy like, um, you know, Tyler Algier, a guy who came in with a lower 40 time than I read on the internet that, but his play speed looked great. He got rarely got caught from behind playing at BYU and he comes in, I think he ran a four, six or something like that. And everyone's yep. kind of kind of everyone's off the guy now. Now, if you plug in his size and you plug in his results of the scouting combine, I mean, the analytical crowd, they're out on him, right? Sure. You know, sure. because they, they, in, in their model, his size and speed score don't really aren't great. And so people, again, if you're looking at probability, because the analytic crowd, that's what they're using numbers for, right? They're, they're, it's all based on probability results of players, you know, production, athletical profile, this, that, and the other. And then they're punching it into a big formula driven thing. And then what is the probability with this guy, with these measurables, this athletic testing, uh, this production profile, what are the chances that he makes it? And if it's low, they don't care what he looks like on film. Right. So, but I'll always just be a film guy first, but I do use that information and I dropped Tyler Algier down. I've been a big, he was like my, one of my favorite backs coming into this class. And I'm not going to say that I wasn't disappointed, you know, with the 40 time, but, um, I mean, there's a couple other things about his game that I have concerns about, but I'll tell you what, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got the requisite size you want in a running back. He's big, he's physical. I think his play strength is great. And, um, you know, but again, the, 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 that athletical testing at the, at the combine has, has turned a lot of people off on him. Tom, you got some, uh, yeah. Um, we have Brian Robinson and Zamir white also in your tier. They're going to be, I think 37 coming into the season. They've basically <laughs> been playing since you know, Zach Morris yeah. has been hitting on Kelly Kapowski. It feels like, Ooh, <laughs> um, let's go. there you go. I, I mean, but it's, they're going to be 23 going into the season. How much does that play into your evaluation when you're going to draft running backs? Or are you just going to draft them and try and move on after two years or so before they turn 26? 
Yeah, I, I don't understand. Again, this is an analytical thing that people want early breakouts, right? So people are really hung up on early production. I get it. Um, but these two guys and their circumstances played for two programs that always ran two players, that their coaches always made them wait their turn. And in the case of Zemir White, he's been involved for, you know, basically three years outside of his injury, you know, early in his career. Yeah. He's been involved in the Georgia offense, but so has a lot of guys that I don't need to kind of go through the list. And same with Brian Robinson. I mean, he had to wait his turn from you know, Najee Harris, and he patiently waited. So he never had his he never had an opportunity to showcase his skills because Najee was there for two years and probably said, you know what, I'm going to go back. I've been told by Saban I'm going to be the lead dog. I'm going to try and win a championship for my college team. And I don't think the NFL really gives a shit about how old these running backs are. I mean, they drafted Najee Harris in the first round last year. I mean, and if they don't care, I just don't understand why us in the fantasy community care so much either from a longevity. Um, Najee Harris has a lot of tread on that tire, right? I mean, that was you know, Jonathan Taylor, same thing that he was an early declare as a junior, but a lot of carries. I mean, Najee Harris, to your point, Tom, if, if you're a Najee Harris owner, you know, answer your, your own question to me. Yeah. Are you going to be looking to move him earlier than because of his age? Probably in a couple, probably in like two years. Right. Well, so, but that's again, that's coming. That's because of the, the second contract coming up, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We'll see, you know, how the line is, how the quarterback is with Pittsburgh. That That's a tough one. Exactly. So with, with like Zamir, he's never had more than 170 touches in a season. Uh, last mm -hmm. time was the first time he's ever, you know, played the entire season. Brian right. Robinson had a lot of touches last year, but that was the first year, but he had to wait his turn and it's a lot of talented back. So with Zamir White, Zamir White's, he's the tougher eval for me because mm -hmm. I like him more on, on film. Um, but his ACLs kind of give me pause even though he hasn't torn him. And mm -hmm. then again, can he handle that workload? Right. And I guess you have to ask yourself the question, who's better, right? Who's who yeah. out of this running back class? That's what I ask myself. Do I love the fact that he has two ACL tears? Not really. I mean, do I love the fact that he's a four-year player and he's older? Not really. But I certainly am not going to take a Jerome Ford over him. I'm not, you know, just based on skill set, just based on physicality. Um, the guy, even with his ACL tears, his, 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 even his score, his testing at the combine, I think solidified the speed, yep. is solidified yep. his burst, his athleticism. And you bring that physicality to the table. There's going to be some guys that fade Samir White. And I perfectly respect that for the, for the reasons that we just discussed. But for me, I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm an NFL scout and an owner, yeah, am I concerned about that? Yeah, but he played for the SEC. He played for Georgia. He gets the Georgia bump. Brian Robinson is not the most elusive guy in the world. If there's one thing I'm worried about, Brian Robinson is his lateral ability. He's a little stiff in the hips. I get it, but the kid can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's the best pass protector running back in this class. I think he's the most he's physical. Hammer. He's, he's a, a hammer. hammer. Mm -hmm. He is a hammer. And so, you know, are you going to take a guy like Jerome Ford who kind of underwhelmed us with his weight or Rashad White, who I'm sure I can't wait to talk about him, um, <laughs> you know, Damian Pierce? I don't think so. Right. So we've been talking about this class being not nearly as good as the 2023 class, although I argued that on my last podcast, I'd recommend you going, you know, to 
rehear that. I did a whole debate on the 2022 class versus 2023 and the whole narrative that 2023 is so great, you know, get rid of all your 2022 picks. So I'd pause on that whole theory and, and, you know, you can go listen to my podcast for that, but what are the other it's, options? It's too late, Brandon. It's that's, already yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well, I hope you don't get your, I hope you didn't, you know, you didn't give up an early 2022 pick for a late first 2023 because no, you're, no, you're going to find all, yourself. They're all, late. they're all late. I think one turned out to be a one Oh nine. One was, a, yeah. One was a so, one twelve. So Cause I think you're going to find yourself this time next year in the exact same boat that you are this year. Um, sure. So I'm, I kind of debunked champion? the whole theory. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> champion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, going back to, to, you know, finish that conversation with Wright and Robinson is, you know, do, are, are there things about their game that I don't love? Of course, but you know, that's why they're not in tier one. That's why there's a lot of questions with this running back class in general, because there's all of these guys have certain traits that look great, but they all have flaws too. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we're about to get here with our tier three guys, right? Um, and I'll let you touch on why you have, you know, not every single one. We don't want to be here for two hours, but maybe what kind of keeps a majority of them in this range. But for me, I'd say we have questions with some part of their game, right? You have the lighter backs that can they handle the full workload? We have the bigger backs. Can they catch the football? Can they uh, do they have like we're talking about lateral agility and those things? But Tier three, you have James Cook leading it off at number six, Jerome Ford, who you previously mentioned at seven, Tyler Algier at eight, uh, Tyler Beatty at number nine, Rashad White at 10, Damian Pierce comes in at 11, Kyron Williams at 12, and then Pierre Strong Jr., love to see him jumping up here in tier three at 13. So this is a pretty big tier, and I'm guessing draft capital will kind of help shape this. Mm -hmm. The story's not written, right? Um, We're still kind of trying to get that next piece of the puzzle um, you know, maybe just walk through some of these guys. Let's start with kind of the, the, the glaring elephant in, in this tier in Rashad White, because I think a lot of other, uh, again, quote unquote, consensus mocks, consensus uh, prospect uh, individuals um, would rank him higher. Why, why is he down here at 10 for you? Um, I'll tell you in just a second, but I want to preface one thing real quick, right? I think we're all going to be faced in with the choice, right? After the top three, let's say, let's just say, for example, that Isaiah Spiller is in the tier one, right? And you're going to see in most rookie mocks that you do that it's going to be those three of the first off the board, you know, unless, unless Spiller just bombs at his pro day and runs like a four seven or some crazy thing, right? Um, We're all going to be faced with the choice that there are you going to go with a bigger back who can be potentially a one or two down, you know, banger um, that might not be on the field and get that opportunity to start. Or are you, you know, you're, you're at a fork in the road. You go with the bigger guys who may not start good, solid backup RB2s on a team, or you're going to be faced with the other fork, uh, a bunch of pass catching backs to help me on my PPR team. That's the kind of the way that I look at it, right? So for me, I'm a size guy when it comes to running back. So that's why I've got White and Robinson in my tier two, because I think potentially if given the opportunity, they could be a lead back in an, in a, in a, on a team, if given the opportunity, if not, they're going to be really two solid guys that I'm going to want on my roster to just wait for that injury for them to get an opportunity. So in tier three, I've got a bunch of guys, all right, half of them are pass catchers, half of them are bigger guys that have some physicality. Um, I am not, I'm probably the lowest person you're going to find on Rashad White. 
All right. I just did a mock draft with John Lobb and Matt Hicks and, and he was number four taken. And I see he's number four. He's number four. He's number four. I really, really question his running in between the tackle ability. You know, you want to talk about Tom, we were just talking about these older prospects. Well, let's just throw Rashad white in there. He was a Juco product who didn't really have any production profile at all until this year. Twitter was littered with all of these great tweets with him catching the ball down the sideline. And he is a fantastic pass catcher. I have real concerns. I did a, a breakdown film detail on my YouTube channel, you know, watching him run in between the tackles. And I think just given his size and his build, I question his physicality really being able to run in between the tackles. And I think a lot of people don't look at him in that way. They want him as the PPR back. And that's great. I mean, because he was very productive. But I'm not sure if given the opportunity, he is going to be a guy who is going to be able to carry the rock in between the tackles. I think it admirably he's going to be able to run the ball, maybe fill in. But you look at his lower half and you watch the film that I made. He 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 doesn't break tackles. He's shifty. I, he's got quick feet. I know his athletic profile and the combine was great. And that just vaulted him up into this stratosphere of, oh, we can catch the ball. Look at his athletic testing. He must be good. And I'm looking forward to talking about Pierre Strong because I've got the same concerns about him as a film guy. I'm just, I'm all about running in between the tackles, right? If you want to be a Kenny Kenneth Gainwell, if you want to be a Naheem Hines and all of that, that's what I think Rashad White is. And it's just like Naeem Hines. You remember when Naeem Hines started for the Colts? They tried to run him inside for the first year or two. He, they, try, they tried to. Kenny Gainwell is an Eagles guy. I was never a fan of him because he's not, he's not strong enough to run in between the tackles. And look what happened to him. I fear that Rashad White is going to end up like a Kenneth Gainwell. And I really question his his physical play strength running in between the tackles. So that concerns me. So in this particular tier, I'm looking at what my other options are. Give me James Cook all day, every day, playing for the SEC, a kid who has had limited production early in his career, has averaged over six yards a carry. He is going to be not a bell cow back. He's not going to be a one or two down back. But this kid can catch the ball as good, if not better, than Rashad White. If you watch the playoff games last year, the kid was explosive as hell in the orange bowl. And then he ran for, you know, eight yards a carry against Bama yep. in the in the freaking you know championship game. So I look at James Cook as a guy who can catch the ball. I think his main role when he goes to the NFL is going to be a pass catching back. But I feel that if he is on a team. And the main guy on that backfield who runs, you know, who bangs the ball the first or second, you know, down gets right. injured. He would admirably fill in and be a great option to, to carry the rock for three or four games, has the physicality, um, doesn't have the best contact balance and, and physical strength as well. But I don't know. Give me the guy that's played in the SEC versus the Pac-12 Pac player who really, who looked you know, really good on film. And if you go back and watch my YouTube channel, there were so many missed freaking tackles on this guy. And he was, you know, so people look at Rashad white to me as a guy who has a ton of production, who can catch the ball. And that's about as far as it gets. And people make an opinion. I'm all about running in between the tackles. You got to give me both. And I don't know if he can do that. Yeah. Let's kind of talk about that with let's, let's group these guys the way you have, right? Let's go. James cook, Tyler Beatty, um, Rashad White and Kyron Williams. 
is that kind of what separates um, them? Obviously, they're in the same tier, right? So things can change. But for right now, James Cook, if, if someone get above him gets hurt, you feel like he can fill in, he can uh, carry the rocket and maybe get those double-digit carries, whereas <clears> maybe Beatty is not quite at that level given size. Maybe Kyron Williams with the size that he came in. Is that why those guys are a little bit uh, lower? Let's Let's kind of – yeah, I think so. I mean, Tyler Beatty played in the SEC and just tore it up this year. I mean, there's something to be said about that. The kid's explosive as hell. I mean, he's shifty. He can, Listen, yeah, I think he caught more, more balls than Rashad White. But, like, nobody wants to talk about that. And it's, I'm, I'm curious as to why. I mean, he doesn't have the protocolical size. I mean, he's 5'8", 197. The odds are against him. He's under 200 pounds. Rashad White's foot, you know, 214, so he's got the bigger size. I get it and understand. Um Tyler Beatty is 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 built very strong, and I think he would be a great complement. I think the Cook, Beatty, and and Rashad White are not going to be asked to run in between the tackles. They're all going to be satellite backs, and they're going to be asked to do that. And I just prefer Cook and Beatty over Rashad White. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home, and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sure. And then maybe on the flip side, let's go Jerome Ford, uh, Tyler Algier, uh, and maybe Damian Pierce can get lumped into that conversation as kind of the, the bigger backs, right? Uh, bigger-ish, right, compared to these other guys. Um, how do you contrast some of those guys? Especially because Jerome Ford, he's at the top of your list here, but maybe it sounded like you had some question marks earlier when we were talking about Tier 2. Well, yeah, I mean, again, he is a guy who has certainly got the lateral ability, another guy who can catch the ball. I mean, you watch his uh, Cincinnati film. He caught a lot of vertical passes last year, which is fantastic. I mean, so he can be used. Um, you know, again, he's a little on the smaller side, um, but I'm going to take him. I mean, Tyler Algier was somebody I really liked, but I'm concerned about his lateral ability. He he and Damian Price look like the same player. My last video I just put on my YouTube channel was a, a film breakdown of Damian Price, and I suggest you maybe go look at it. I mean, I break it down by trait, by vision, by pass catching, by contact balance and stuff. I mean, he's just a banger who I don't think has a lot of creativity in his running ability. I think he's more of just a guy I'm going to go and run into open space up the middle. I don't think he's going to be, you know, he really can't win on the outside outside but i think tyler Beatty. i've seen win on the outside i've seen jerome ford win by going on the outside so if you're going to run an outside zone and you need to get to the edge damian pierce isn't going to be the guy that's going to get there and i question that uh you know tyler algier isn't either so those two those two backs to me are going to have to really play in between the tackles you know maybe a slight outside zone outside the right tackle but it's not going to be some spread zone where these guys are going to be running laterally for you know 10 or 15 yards asking them to pick the hole and move forward. That's just not their game. They're, they're more of a, give me the ball, 
you know, in the pistol formation and let me run right up the middle and, and, and try and get some yards. So, and Kyron Williams, I guess, is the big thing with him is, again, a guy who has been really productive at Notre Dame, but that speed score and burst score and all that has just scared everybody off. And the analytic guys, they're all out on him. You know, so, you know, when you're that slow and you're that size and didn't get to 200 pounds and you can't run a 4-4, I mean, I, I think the odds are against you that it's probably not going to work out for you. Um, all these guys, I mean, Ford's faster, Beatty's faster. I mean, so I, I think that, you know, maybe lends to them being off the board first. So this tier three, I, I think, is the round four or five crew for me. What can, what can save Kyron Williams? Like if he gets Michael Carter early fourth, is he back in the conversation for you or still going to be pretty low? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see where he lands and see what kind of opportunity he gets. Sure. Okay. You know, because like I said, I'm, I'm not going to hold the 40 time against him. I mean, he, he fell down my ranks a little bit because I think, I mean, explosion and athleticism matters in the running back position. And he obviously just didn't show that in, in the drills and the 40 time. Um, but he's a great pass protector. Um, you know, he's tough. Uh, he, he plays probably, bigger than his size. I think he plays bigger. A lot absolutely. of us thought he was going to come in right at that 200, 203, maybe even. And then it just didn't quite happen, obviously. But he does not, him and Beatty, you know, I'll make that same case for Beatty. They, mm -hmm. they get, have some pop for, for these quote unquote that, smaller backs. That's right. And so, um, and they're physical for their size. Right. And, and going back to Rashad white, that is my concern. If you watch again, the film I made when he runs in between tackles, he runs upright. And so upright. He, he, he runs, was, he gets, he gets pounded when he, and he's not, he goes, he doesn't have contact balance. And so again, it's the narrative of people, you know, in the echo chamber, of loving his pass catching ability they immediately think ppr dynasty oh and oh my god look at his 40 time he's athletic he's got to be a winner and like i just take it deeper than that I, I i just i have to watch these kids run in between the tackles and see what kind of vision what kind of power they have if you want to talk about pierre strong since he's on the list here I mean, I know he's like the, the the darling right now, but I when you go watch his film, there's one thing I want you to watch. And to me, play strength is huge, right? You have to have, just look at his lower body. Katie Flowers, she's a big Debbie girl. I don't know if you guys know mm -hmm. Katie Flowers. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. she's, all, she's on my Slack chat all the time. And she's got this phrase that I just love. She's like, for a running back for me ever to be on my roster, he better have a steak ass. That's what she calls it, a steak <laughs> ass. So- She'll post pictures of, of, you know, like Branson Robinson is a guy who's uh, an incoming freshman, right? Who is, is going to Georgia. Ginormous. Right? Yeah. And he, and she'll post a picture and say, this is a running back. So I was kind of giggling to myself because I'm looking at Pierre strong and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm thinking of Katie, go watch the YouTube channels on this kid. I know he's fast, but I can, I'm concerned about his competition level. He goes down and folds like a lawn chair on contact, right? So he he has the shiftiness. He has all that. But, man, he's he's really light on the bottom half of his body. And I don't see him driving many piles and breaking a lot of tackles. And I don't care how fast you are. if You know, you still got to know how to play football. And you've got to have the requisite size and power in, on your lower half to really play a running back. And I just don't think he has it personally. Robbie, take the arrow out of your heart. <laughs> well, I'm just being honest, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's no, just that's what, that's I what we're here for, and and I think, uh, I think anybody who watches Pierre Strong's take, the reason you get excited about him is that 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 
I don't want to use overuse the word burst, but when I look at a lot of these guys, he gets downhill quick. And if he is given a lane, um, he, he's gone. And I think he's one of those shiftier guys that he can make plays. He is creative, right? Um, but at the cost, right, when, whenever we have these uh, backs, if you're really good at this one thing, it feels like can you be good at both? And, and that's why he's in this tier is that we have questions about his play strength. And uh, he does go down. And I have it down here. He goes down on, on first contact often. Um, but he is – obviously, the we, we, anybody who's watched this tape, you can see he's an athlete, combine backs it up. Um, which is exciting. And it sounds like for you, a big thing is his play strength and size, which I think you see a lot of these successful running backs. They probably have a little bit of that. Um, but for a lot of other people, it's probably that home run ability, right? So it's juxtaposing those two mindsets, right? Sure. Saying, does he, he, does he have the home run ability? Uh, I think so. And I think, you know, great, great point on the level of competition, I think when I see him do that against NDSU, one of the top FCS schools, again, we're not talking about SEC, so there's still a drop-off, but what um, we're talking about, about as good as you can get at the FCS level at least. Oh, without a doubt. We, we right. know all about North Dakota State. You don't have to talk to us about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be a sore, sore taste in y'all's mouth. but Yeah. yeah That's fine. So, we got a first four for the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, so I, I definitely understand that he's not the complete prospect, and that's why he's not going to be in tier one or two for, for me either. But he's definitely an interesting guy that, again, mm -hmm. we go to draft capital, we get this athleticism, we get his ability, returns kicks, speedy, you know, those kind of things are exciting. Absolutely needs to work on his functional strength. And that's not something that's, hey, you can't do it now. Uh, that's absolutely something they can grow into. But if you don't see it at the college level, you're projecting. So um, right. I, I get why he's there for you. Yeah, and the other thing him? too, I'm sorry, just one last point on him was his pass protection was horrendous, right? I mean, it, Dynasty Nerds has about four or five games of him out on YouTube. If you just put in Pierre Strong mm -hmm. yep. and they do these great film drives where even when there's passes, you get to see what this kid does in, in pass protection. And it's it's not pretty. I mean, he seems lost out there. He seems like he takes like a whiff on somebody and doesn't know where to go. And a couple of times he got blown up pretty bad. So it could be a liability. Again, I think it's the overall play strength when you just look at his build. I don't care what his measurables are. I'm just staring, looking at him on the field and you can just see that his, his lower legs, he doesn't have that stamina. I don't know. But I mean, maybe he can develop it. I don't know. But I'm just. I'm going to take a kid that's played in the Big Ten. I'm going to take an SEC sure. kid that's been against better competition. You're going to take Joe Mixon over Melvin Gordon, and when you look at their their lower half, the lower half, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Oh, All yeah over. it's just. <laughs> it's like what's the Somalian doing next to that? That just yeah. Samoan guy. I don't yeah. understand what's going on. Feed that guy. Do some calf raises, Melvin. Still yeah, good, exactly. but you know. So Robbie. Um, I know you, you love Pierre Strong. Do you have him above guys like Jerome Ford, James Cook, Tyler Beatty? No, I, I have him in, in that tier uh, for me. Um, man, it, it's it's so tough because this tier is big, and I'd say we're, we're similar. Um, there's some players I might have a little bit differently. But it, it's tough because you almost want to split this tier and, and rank them by who's going to draft a, a pass-catching third down back and who's going to um, draft that – um, for example, Tyler Algier, when I watched him and I've actually heard this on a couple of podcasts, which it makes you feel like, Hey, yeah, you kind of, you're watching what other people are seeing. He reminds me of Alexander Madison, right? I, I, I didn't see the same speed that a lot of other people were talking mm -hmm. about. He's saying at, at, 
you know, BYU's stuff, he's running a, a four three nine or something like that. And I was like, man, if he runs that, that's going to be really shocking. I know. But, and, and, <laughs> especially at his size, right? He's two twenty. Yeah. Like this, that, that would be cooking. Uh, oh yeah. And, and, it's like so, Kingpin when he they they uh, he bowls fifteen frames instead of ten. He's like, I got a two seventy nine average. What's going on? He's running the thirty five yard. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so you you almost have two separate lists in this tier, and so now I'm trying to just rank. I don't want. It's hard for me to, to rank a guy like Tyler Beatty up against Tyler Algier, Algier because teams aren't going to look at them the same. They're mm-hmm. going to be off the board for some because they, they're two, in my opinion, opposite uh, prospects. So right. it, 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 it is a tricky game. But, yeah, I'd have Pierre Strong in this area because he does a lot of the things I think Tyler Beatty does well. He does a lot of things. Um, the reasons you like Rashad White, he does a lot of those things well. But but it sounds like for Brandon and for definitely a thing for all of us to look at is, hey, size and strength is a big piece of success. I mean, look at your top, you know, eight backs that we have right in, in fantasy right now between Dalvin Cook, between Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, Zeke Elliott. I'm probably missing a whole bunch. But other than maybe an Austin Eckler, who again plays bigger than his size, they're all very strong breaking con uh, breaking tackles and so mm-hmm. um that that's a fair assessment and that's maybe why some people uh i'm not jumping on this down class but that's probably why people are quote unquote down on this class because it doesn't feel like it has that full complement of guys that can do it all that you have in Brees, uh kenneth walker and some will say isaiah spiller right yeah and i think so, you're going to so- find out next year that you're going to we're going to be in the same boat don't don't say that <laughs> Carson, your dreams are ready tom it's like, I, you know how I got that Debbie Downer um, picture of you, Robbie? Yes. Don't make yes. me put Brandon's face on it. Oh, man. You're 2023 RB class. This is yeah. this is Debbie Downer deep dive. What's going on? Hey, there's um, there's two or three really good ones just like this class. Yeah. But, man, then you're getting, you know, into some I, projection. I think it's the, the Bajan Robinson effect. It, it, I right. think it, it's that. It, but really, it, it, as a non-Debbie guy, it, it it's always a year away, right? Like, uh, Cody Kutzer, who's who's a part of TFA in one of our um, Debbie leagues, he went full productive struggle. Right, he's going all Debbie guys, going all rookies, and you look at some of Risky. these names that he got: Spencer Rattler and and Charlie Kohler and, and some of these mm-hmm. guys. You know, they're not the prospects that you thought a year ago. And, and I know that's an easy cop out that that's going to happen in any class. And in this 2023 has those high ends. Um, so we won't dive too far deep in the 2023 class. Let's save that for another episode mm-hmm. uh, push them towards your channel. Cause I know you're going to be touching on them here pretty soon. Uh, yep. Let's go to tier four. Um, we have Jerry on Ely. We have Kennedy Brooks and Hassan Haskins. Um, we're kind of getting down into the, uh, the depths of, of this class, but I do think sometimes this is where you find maybe not hidden gems like James Robinson's. Cause I don't want to make that case that we're going to find those kind of guys every year. But are there guys that if somebody above them gets injured, they're third on the depth chart, and now they're they're getting some touches later on? Who do you see in this class as kind of being um, a guy that can maybe pop if given the opportunity? I mean, of all of those guys, I'm probably going to go with Kennedy Brooks. If you know, out of those three, if I had to, I mean, I think he's got some. I think he's been a little underrated. I think he's gone under the radar. I mean, Ely didn't really this the speed is it really there again? He's smaller. He's kind of like uh, the same as Bay is uh, Beatty. Um, 
you know, Haskins looks like a grinder. He looks like more it's very similar. He just ran in a great system for Michigan this year. But I think all of these guys are just long shots. I mean, in reality, we get six or seven running backs every yep. year that go to our dynasty rosters. And we're down here in the depths of the late teens and the early 20s. I mean, any one of these guys could hit. I mean, I would put Keontae Ingram as a guy that I really liked. I mean, do you want to talk about a guy who flashed as a freshman at Texas who – I have so many shares of him in my Debbie leagues after his first year that that's right. a bust. Ty, Ty Chandler went to North Carolina. He's probably another guy in this tier. Uh, that's not probably far behind. I don't have my ranks pulled up here in front of me or, or whatever, but I think all of these guys are just all just long shots unless they get the draft capital. Because sure. if you go back, like we've talked about early in the show, the NFL scouts usually get it right in the end and draft capital matters because they're going to be given a bigger opportunity. So, uh, you know, you go back and look at the round four or five, six picks three years ago, they're all going to be replaced probably with this year's round four or five, six round players, hoping that maybe they find a diamond in the rough. Because if you've been on a team for three years as a fifth or sixth round draft pick and you haven't, we haven't heard your name in dynasty rosters, we're, we're most likely not going to. And that's just what the reality is of it. So I have to drop, I have to drop John Kelly finally. Is that what we're saying? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who's John Kelly? Yeah. No, te teams don't want to pay elite running back second contracts. Uh, That's right. I mean, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Uh, so it, you it brought is. up Kennedy Brooks. I kind of see shades of Jordan Howard. It's like there's a flash. There he is, kind of. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to contribute much to the air at all, but he could carve out a nice role. Somebody gets hurt. That's right. Uh, so why why is he in tier four instead of tier three for you? I guess is that I I just again I I just think it comes down to you know lateral ability, you know I I okay. really I really the elusiveness to me is probably you know the vision and what you do with the line of scrimmage. He would be at the top of tier four. He's right behind Ely. I mean Ely was an explosive player for Ole Miss, and I've got Kennedy Brooks right there at number fifteen. I mean. You know, watching a little bit more film on him, could he you know, jump up in that tier three? Sure. If he gets day, you know, four, early day five or early round five draft capital and lands in a really good spot, and I'm like, okay, well, that might change my feeling a little bit. You know what I mean? But if he ends up being a seventh round depth piece, he has no shot. Yeah. So, how, out of these guys in tier three and tier four, who do you see yourself walking away from, you know, drafts with the most of and the least of? Oh, I'm probably in this whole thing here. I'm going to probably take Tyler Beatty, James Cook. I think I'm going to go, and it's going to go against the grain of what I really always talk about is size matters. But I think yeah. for these particular players, I'm going to go. I would even take Rashad White if he lands in a good spot, even though I don't like him running between the tackles because um, – you know, I, I I don't see Damian Pierce. I know a lot of people like him right now, but from watching him film, he looks like just like a grinder. He's not creative and pure strong. Unless I see something different, I I don't know. Um, I'm I'm going to lean, I think, on the pass catchers and maybe try and get myself a Naheem Hines type because I, I think a lot of these bigger backs just don't have the lateral ability that like Elijah Mitchell for me runs in a system that is sure. ideal right now. If, if he ended up on the Chicago bears, you know, would he have been as productive? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think he could be a product of that just zone system. That Shanahan system has just always produced backs with the system. Um, not taking anything away from Elijah Mitchell, but if another guy had been drafted by the 49ers and put in that spot, like a big miss for me, just not to get off topic was Trey Sermon. I love Trey Sermon last year. 
Oh, and man. I just uh, Robbie, Robbie, just pour one out. Yeah, pour that was out. tough. And, and I'm still let me let me jump in with there with you. I'm still not convinced it's a miss because he didn't get the opportunity, right? And I agree. He doesn't get the opportunity. Maybe it's part him, but he he had one game and ran for you know 86 or whatever it was yards on 18 touches. So it, I'm going to throw that one up in the air as we don't know, but. There's mm-hmm. probably a reason he's not seeing the field, so it's also probably an L on us, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, he was so good for Ohio State. Now, at the very beginning of the show, you told, you know, I saw you running down my things on my, my uh, Twitter handle, and intangibles matter. So I, I say that all the time, especially when it comes to the quarterbacks. Like, that's something none of us know. Intangibles matter oh, yeah. for all of these players. We don't know how smart they are. We don't know how Who's going to their birthday are. parties? Yeah. Exactly. Nobody goes to their birthday parties. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Like for a perfect example that I feel like going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles real quick, they missed the mark on Jalen Rager, not just because he wasn't the athlete that they thought he did. So they missed on his tape review, but I think they also missed on his intangibles and what he was as a person because he's a big Twitter head and he, the fans here got in his head. And I think that has a lot to do with him losing his confidence playing on the field. So for all of these players, that's what I think the combine, they get most out of the combine, these NFL rosters, when they can sit and talk to these young men, talk to them, see, you know, like Carson Strong, a lot of bad things came out about Carson Strong, whether it's right or not or wrong, that he didn't even know half the playbook, at, like they were throwing him concepts and he didn't really understand them. Now, I don't know if that's people bullshit and putting out bad tweets on Twitter or not, but if that's the case, those are the kind of things I think that we don't know about any of these players. Um, so it's, it's, so it's also funny because about three days before the draft, you start hearing bad things come out about players because and it's, it's, it's the teams that are leaking it mm-hmm. that like him so to try and so get him tough. to fall. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Like when you get really close to the draft, trying to be like, is that true? Or is that bullshit? I, uh, I don't know what's going on. But going back to Trey Sermon, I'm wondering, right? He had the physical skills. I feel like he had the lateral ability. He definitely had the physicality. Definitely had the contact balance. Definitely had the pass catching chops. Was it because of what's upstairs? Was he not able to comprehend the the the, 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 the schemes? Like we we would like. never we would never know that. So he could be maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed and have all the physical ability, but then goes right. to that complicated 49ers offense. And he's like, Oh, what the fuck is that? I, I'm running the wrong <laughs> gaps. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, you can't tell me in the NFL that that hasn't happened to a player that had physical traits that maybe they just couldn't, you know, put it all together. I mean, you get a playbook, it's like this thick and you're like, Holy shit, what am I looking at and here? You know? So if, and you throw COVID in, and then things are virtual. This is going to be like the first mm-hmm. normalish off season uh, that rookies have had in two years. So that that'll be good for these rookies, and it'll also be good for the guys that were drafted the last two years because it's going to be more normal for them. But yeah. to your point on that, I, I mean, I'm not giving up my shares yet. I yeah, I, I just he's in the doghouse there, and now with Elijah Mitchell, his his time there is is up probably, but. I that really hope be, they don't bring some. I hope they don't draft someone in the fourth round because then he's he's dead at that point. He's no, that was going to be my point that you know I don't think the story's written because it, it may be half Trey Sermon, but it's also Kyle Shanahan because if there's one coach where you're like, man, this guy will draft somebody and then decide 
I'm not playing him for a while. We've seen mm-hmm. this before. We saw this with Joe Williams, a fourth round pick. Didn't didn't even pan out at all. We see this with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, we we've seen this with Dante Pettis. Right. This is a definitely part Pettis. part Shanahan. Where if he has an issue with whatever it is, maybe it's the smarts. Maybe it's um, you know Trey Sermon, someone who has to go through a lot of adversity. He had losses in his life and his family. He had to you know transfer because he's competing and not getting the playing time in Oklahoma. So I think it's kind of a mix of of all what we're saying, but let's not make this the Trey Sermon podcast. Yeah. Uh, I could, I could talk forever on him. Cause I have uh, a couple of, of shares to put it lightly. Right, no more, no more sermons, Robbie. Let's, let's get to it. Hey, we, we're, he's good for one, every show. Good yeah. for one, every show. Let's go into some superlatives. Cause I feel like this is the fun part. We did this uh, last year with, with Angelo, right? Every, I think we did it with everybody. Angelo yeah. was fun though. Yeah. Cause he kept on trying to, it was Jalen Waddle. I was like, yeah. the answer is Jalen Waddle, bro. Right, it's Jalen right. Waddle. Absolutely. You can't use the same running back twice for these. Okay, Brandon. But let's start out with some superlatives. Let's start with best runner in this class. I got to go Brees Hall. Okay. Okay. Let's go most scheme dependent running back. You kind of hit on this a little bit more, maybe Tom's conversation, but maybe you're picking someone else. Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, after our discussion, I mean, Walker sounds like he should be the guy, but I feel like that's a cop out. Um, did I did I turn people? Wow, with scheme argument. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think you you really did. I mean, again, if you look at the stats, I mean, he played in the gap system his first two years, and he really didn't excel. And then here he goes into a you know zone system, and here he is the number two back. So I guess I'm gonna have to say him. Okay. Which I think I think is super interesting. That's definitely something I'm gonna kind of dive into a little bit here as we go through and get to the NFL draft. Let's go with best pass catcher in this class. I'm gonna go. A lot I don't of want to say it. You don't want to say it, but you're gonna say it. Let's see. All right, I'll go with I'll go with White. <laughs> He's so dejected yeah, with that answer. I am so go with White. <laughs> Because only because right. I only because I have Cook is another answer. So okay, a little strategy uh, here. Yeah, okay, strategy. Best pass protector. Oh, Brian Pierre Robinson. Strong. <laughs> yeah, Pierre Strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian, Brian Robinson. Robinson. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, biggest sleeper. So this is your tier three or tier four guys. And, and I thought it was interesting you threw in Keontae Ingram not to go back a ton, but he's a he's a name I've, I've heard popping up that I haven't uh, dove in. I've got through most of the list that we talked about today, but Keontae Ingram's one I need to, to dive back in on. I'm going to go with Tyler Beatty. He's been one of my favorites for a long time. I'm going to go with him getting Dave, you know, round four draft capital. Um, and he was so good playing in the SEC. Tough. I know he's undersized. It's everything against me, but I just can't go with these bigger backs. I, I just... I just can't. I go I, Jerome Ford there. Okay, yeah, I like Jerome Ford. That would be probably mine as well. Um, I, I I love that answer because we go an hour talking about size and, and all that, and and it, it's okay though because you said, hey, some of these guys you're gonna zig um, while others are zagging, and, and even though you are that that's kind of quote unquote size guy, right? Um, he he runs bigger than his size for sure. Let's go with highest bust potential. So this is tier two, tier two or higher. Oh, tier two or higher. Okay. Because I was going to say Jerome Ford. I was going to kind of go against what you guys thought. Um, Okay. I'm going to say probably Brian Robinson as much as I like him. I can't pick him because I've already said pass protection, right? So, you know, I'll go with, I'll go with Isaiah Spiller. Okay. I'm going to go with Isaiah Spiller. What, what scares you uh, again about Spiller? 
if he were to bust, what? Okay, if he were to bust, what? And it's not draft capital. What's holding him back? You know what? I'll change my answer. I'll say Zamir White. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say he because I like Spiller better. I'll say Zamir White because he doesn't maybe get the draft capital that we think, and he just pass catching a little bit. He's, yeah, he's not really much of a pass catcher. He's more of just a, a, a banger. So. I think he has the bust potential. I mean, if you look at mock drafts right now, he's not really getting out of the top five or six running backs. I mean, the, the NFL is going to lean towards that size, that athleticism, but I could see him maybe, you know, he's got a little clunky feet. He's, he's pretty quick and nimble, but he also can get taken down pretty easily, you know? Sure. Uh, I, I know this is kind of cheating, but let's go back to the Jerome Ford answer. Two guys mm. that maybe Tom and I are, are excited to see that ceiling. You can kind of see a floor there. What scares you about Ford? Play strength. Okay. Same kind of thing with Rashad White. I think he um, has the ability. He's shifty. Um, I'm just worried about his contact balance and his play strength. He reminds me kind of of a Jamar Jefferson type player. You know, if I... If, that's probably why. I mean, he's got he's he can catch the ball. Um, he's got burst. He's got speed. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If he gets to the second level, but these these kids have to win in the line of scrimmage in the first ten yards. So that that's where it's won. This game is won and lost for the majority of these running backs. Yeah, there are once in a while they're going to hit a hole in a seam and take it to the distance, and we're all going to get excited. But typically, these running backs have to nimble their way through a line of scrimmage and get to that second level by making two or three guys miss. And you've got to have the play strength. I mean, you just look at Javonta Williams, right? You see him, a lot of his breakout runs back in North Carolina was after he shed five or six guys, five or six tackles and made a guy miss with a dead leg in the second level, made a linebacker miss. And then all of a sudden he's got the burst and acceleration and he's gone, you know, taking chunk yards of 30, 30 or 40 yards, right? That was his game. But man, that dude's thick in the lower half. And I'm just concerned Jerome Ford is just, a little bit light and you know and the reason i'm going to call him um well not a bus potential but he's i think he's higher viewed in the Devi community than what the nfl community is and i think that's something that i've learned over the last couple of years is as much as you maybe hate the espn guys and mel kuyper's a dork or or whatever <laughs> these guys know so much more than we know they are talking to scouts they've got staffs who know what they're doing and you know usually when kuiper and those guys go into a draft with their top 10 boards there's usually not a lot of big surprises and you know J jeremiah all those guys and if you really look at a lot of those guys lists in the top 10 you're not going to see jerome ford's name on there very often who are three guys that you like to follow um, if we're talking to listeners, hey, there's a ton of mocks out there. Some of them can can mislead you. One of those names for me is Daniel Jeremiah. I think um, mm -hmm. Kevin Steele of, of our channel was talking about how he was on Tutu Atwell going early, even though the rest of the world thinks it's crazy. NFL has the buzz on this guy's you know big playability, and what does he do? He goes in the second round of the Rams. So he's a guy for me. What are maybe a, a couple names that you can toss out? I like Matt Waldman on YouTube. Um, you know, he's not one of the primary guys. Um, so I, I tend to look to NFL mock draft database.com, right? Okay. And they take basically every, every mock draft on the internet and basically put them together and give you a consensus big board. 
And that usually over looking over that for the last few years, it really gives you a good idea of, of the way these guys are being valued in mock drafts. Now there's a lot of guys doing mock drafts that probably don't really know what they're doing, you know, as far as mock drafts, but you know, it includes all the ones from CBS sports line, all the analysts and, and stuff from NFL.com and, and bunts it all together. So, um, you know, I mean, ESPN, I, I look at all, there's probably five or six different sites out there and I peruse them all the time and see which guys are rising and which ones are falling. And because I'm not going to pretend that I'm smarter than them, you know, and I use them yep. to validate kind of what I see on the field. So, um, I guess that's the answer to that question. Yep. Yeah. Tom, I don't know about you, but I feel smarter. I feel smarter after this, a little less skip Bayless like. I do. I feel I feel much smarter. I'm gonna walk into jail tomorrow and I'm gonna be like, get the hell out of my way, mother. I know all this shit. <laughs> hey uh Tom, any any parting thoughts on the class? Any parting thoughts on running backs? I know you and I will dive deeper into these guys. We're gonna uh, kind of give give folks the kind of 360 on the backgrounds, colleges, heights, weights, all that stuff. This was kind of just the general overview. We didn't have time to kind of list out all that stuff. So listeners who are looking for, hey, where did this guy play? What was his production? What conference was he in? All that fun stuff. We're going to be diving into these guys in detail after we get the overviews done. Uh, Tom, anything else before we wrap this up? You know, I feel, I feel better about tier three than I did going into the show. Um, I like James Cook like Taylor Beatty. I still like Jerome Ford, even though Brandon wants to, you know, stab me in the neck with a knife. It's fine. <laughs> um, nah. But he doesn't hate him that much because he still has him ranked seventh. So it's not like, yeah, that's right. He, he hates him. So it's just, uh, he, he has flaws and everybody in tier three has flaws, but I was more so looking at all of the flaws for everybody as opposed to the positive. So I guess, I guess maybe the grass will be greener for me for tier three. Absolutely. But that's why I have a bunch of second round picks for these guys. Use there them when you, you want. Trade them. Trade them for whatever else if you don't want to use them. Build capital. It's always building value, right? That's yeah. the name of the game. That's right. Build, build, build. Cool. Well, well Brandon, uh, loved having you on. That is Thank way you. better than we could have ever imagined. And Tom and I again would just be talking figureheads, looking up half these things. Dip we we dove into the tape. And, and have our ideas, but it's great to hear from someone who's been doing it for more than just, you know, the past two and a half months. So mm-hmm. let's tell, tell people what you have coming up. I I've been hearing about this uh, Debbie summit. Talk to us a little bit about that and anything else you have going on. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about the Debbie summit. It's an idea that I came up with um, uh, probably back in October of last year. And I wanted to do an online event. It's going to be a six hour uh, live stream event on Sunday, May 22nd. And it's going to be uh, twofold. It's going to be first a, a six hour live feed to introduce Debbie and C2C to the people who are out there playing dynasty. It's like, as we call it, I've got a flyer. I put it out on the tweet, the next step for dynasty fans. Cause there's a ton of people out there that are new to Debbie or a little scared of Debbie scared of C2C. They're a little nervous to get into it. Um, and then secondly, we're just going to do a big summit and do like a, our ranks show. We're going to do a big mock draft at the end. I've got a ton of great guests lined up. It's going to be an annual event. We're going to be raising money for the Ukraine uh, refugees. We're going to be selling hats and shirts with all proceeds going to help these poor people that have been displaced uh, out in Europe. So um, I'm really, really excited about it. You're going to be seeing a ton of stuff on Twitter about it. Uh, we're going to be uh, recording a show. It's going to be uh, myself, uh, the campus to uh, Canton crew, and Matt Hicks from the Rookie Big Board. The three of us are going to be the lead guys on it. 
Um, we've got a lot of our guests, you know, Matt Waldman, uh, Ray Garvin, I've reached out to, um, he's a tentative. So we're going to be trying to reach all of the big Debbie guys and, and see if we can't land some big fish as guests. And so I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Tell everybody again when that is. It's on Sunday, May 22nd. May 22nd. Okay. Yeah, it's a Sunday afternoon. We're going to do uh, probably 12 to six. Well, I am your target market there. I'm the I'm the one that plays in the very small Debbie leagues. It's Debbie one leagues. two. It's like I'm just dipping my toe in. So that's something go. that I'm going to be really interested to hear more about because it is fun to kind of like learn about these prospects. And I think it just helps you become a better overall. You talk about the next step for dynasty players. It helps you become a more well-rounded individual. You know these players longer than two months before the draft happens. So. Right. I'm excited to, to to listen to that. So, uh, Brandon, love having you on. You guys can find him at Devi Deep Dive on Twitter. Again, he's the host of Devi Deep Dive podcast, creator of the Devi Dashboard YouTube. You can check him out as well. Devi to Dynasty Football. He has a ton of player profiles for these rookies coming out. He's talking about his tiers. He has a really good one about the wide receivers. So, if you like this running backs conversation. He goes solo for a lot of minutes talking about the wide receivers and it's great. I know how hard talking to yourself can be. So that's very mm-hmm. impressive, but guys, yeah, uh, we will be back next week. We're going to be talking wide receivers with Angelo. Uh, he bringing him back from last year. Loved the conversation that we had with him. So we're going to be diving into the wide receiver class. You'll have Tom, myself, and Angelo. So until next time, see you. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.